0: Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we'll be speaking to college and university leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of higher education and picking their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On today's episode, the Evolutions Editor-in-Chief, Al Awalia speaks with Nicole Cobb, who is Associate Vice President of Workforce Solutions at Jefferson Community and Technical College. We talked to Nicole about the importance of workforce development divisions and how to create a seamless collaboration across the institution to meet modern learner needs. Let's get into it.
1: Nicole, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Illumination.
0: Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited
2: to kind of talk all things community colleges.
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, let's start off right at the top. You know, we're in Workforce Development Month. What is the significance of Workforce Development Month?
2: I think there's never been a better time to really focus on the need to reskill, retrain, upgrade our workforce, just to kind of respond to the things that we're seeing in our economy due to the pandemic.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, obviously, the I think the community college sector is, is in an interesting space. And we've had decades of of community colleges and their impact being sort of overlooked, made, you know, light of to some extent, you know, obviously the show Community as one prime example of sort of, I guess, this broad perspective on the community college and its impact. You know, we've seen even some colleges remove the word community from their name as part of this sort of rebranding effort. How do approaches to official recognition like Workforce Development Month, help to overcome some of that stigma that that seems to be around community colleges?
2: I think that's a great and interesting question. Um, As I was kind of looking into this announcement that September this year was gonna be Workforce Development Month, I found this really great article on senate.gov and they had this factoid that I thought was really important. It said that 52% of the job openings today sort of fall in that requirement of more than high school but not a four-year degree. And that's really the space for community and technical colleges. If you think about it, we have skills classes that are um, and, and certificates that are as short as one class. So like, if you think about welding, you can take a welding class in a 16 week semester and be prepared to take on a welding job. That's one class, one semester, all the way up to associate degrees that are, you know, two, two and a half years. We are really in that space to deliver skills that you can get in an accelerated fashion and kind of meet that need when over half of the jobs sort of fill that need.
1: Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I I love is in, I think it was 20, it's either 2014 or 2018, the Illumina Foundation decided to shift from focusing on completion rate, which only looks at the completion of of degrees, uh, you know, either two year, four year degrees, to attainment rate, which started to recognize the value of of high quality non degree credentials, as well as credit bearing degrees and certificates, and included attainment rate as part of their official 60% target. So the 60% target now is, is attainment rate based. It's not completion rate based. And, and to your point, I mean, the, it's not about earning a particular piece of paper after a particular amount of time. It's about facilitating that student's pursuit of their particular goal. It's why I love, you know, that focus on attainment because it really brings home like, well, what's the point? What are we trying to do? And that's, you know, ease a student's path.
2: I totally agree and I think when we look at what our employers are looking for that helps, you know, validate that when they're looking for skills-based employees that come they don't necessarily have to have a degree. So it really mm-hmm. opens doors for a lot a lot more people that just maybe didn't want to go a four-year pathway.
1: Absolutely. I mean from your perspective as well, as you think about all these learners who come in for these very short-term engagements, earn that credential or that skill set that's going to help them achieve that next goal, what does it take from the college's perspective to stay, I wouldn't even say at the back of their mind, to stay in the forefront of their minds as when they need that next upskilling experience, when they need that next credential, that the college is where they come back to as opposed to you know maybe maybe looking more widely.
2: Well, I think that's interesting because I think the way we're primarily getting at that right now is through the employers. So mm-hmm. if you think about it, we graduate a lot of students every semester and they go into the workplace. And then in, in many Fields and occupations that the the knowledge changes so fast. I mean, you think about IT, for example. You know things are changing so rapidly that once you graduate, we know there's still a need for future and ongoing continuing education. And so we're seeing our employers drive that. And so we'll graduate students, and then they end up coming back through the workforce solutions department for those short-term skills upgraded type trainings.
1: What does it take to get from this model which is almost very reactive and responsive to one that's more proactive i mean what are the barriers that exist between you know the typically siloed workforce development division and, and main campus to create that kind of connectivity that shifts us from being in this reactive model where you know we happen to have the right offering for a student that's looking for an offering to we're feeding them a consistent and conscious sort of array of stackable programming that's going to help them continue their education and advance their career at the same time.
2: Well, I 100% agree with you that oftentimes our workforce development, workforce solutions departments are very siloed and separate from just what I'm going to call general population, open enrollment. Um, I work in a system in Kentucky. So we're the Kentucky Community and Technical College System. I'm Jefferson. I'm in the Louisville region. But our system drives, we have 16 schools throughout the state of Kentucky, and our system drives a lot of our initiatives and efforts. And right now, they're really focused on what I'm going to call work-based learning. Learning, recognizing hmm. skills that are obtained not in the classroom, but while a person is, you know, working. And, and we, we realize there's a lot of value to that sort of workplace learning. Um, but there is kind of a divide between that in our general population faculty. And it is a challenge, but I think that we we are learning together and trying to look at all the opportunities. We, the bottom line is we want to serve our students mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that they're prepared for the workplace. And so I think as long as we keep those motivations, we're seeing a lot more collaboration between sort of those previously siloed departments.
1: That's really interesting. Can you dive into that a little bit more? I'd love to know some some examples or some anecdotes that you might have about how you're, I guess, reaching across the floor. You know, how are you creating these relationships with the main campus faculty and administration to, to create those collaborative opportunities?
2: Yeah, so I've been with the college 16 years. Um, Probably my first 10 years, we really didn't collaborate with faculty the way that we should have. We were traditionally hiring adjuncts to come in because our model was so different than the general population model. But I'm going to say over the last five to six years, um, we have worked hard to reach out to faculty and get them involved. So um, I'll give you an example. We run quite a bit of machine tool programming uh, to to turn out machinists, CNC programmers. Um, And when we first worked with our faculty, they were very hesitant because a lot of the courses that we run on the workforce side are accelerated. Um, They're not always traditional academic credit. Like you had mentioned this push for non-credit. And so we were running a lot of classes that would take a traditional class and cut out the pieces that the employer didn't didn't need, and mm-hmm. just build a class that's, you know, we can get through just what they need, just when, when they want it. Um, and so by including our faculty in those kind of meetings with the employer, it, it allowed them to see the side of the employers, and for them to really say, okay, I, I see where they're coming from. Um, and we went from, like I said, almost never collaborating with our full-time faculty to now, I would say at least 75% or more of our classes, we're utilizing our full-time faculty. And that's for the workforce solutions classes, which I think helps us bridge that gap because we're taking them to the employer for our needs assessment. They're teaching those classes. Um, And one of the things that I I love is they want to teach a workforce class. They love those workforce students. They look a little different than our general Mm -hmm. population. They have some experience. They want to be there. Um, there A lot of times they're being paid to be there. And so they learn at just a different clip than, you know, fresh out of high school students. So it's really kind of fun for them. And I think that's helped us increase our collaboration.
1: That's really interesting. I'm curious, you know, we've talked a little bit about Building connectivity between workforce development and main campus, we've talked a little bit about, you know, I think funding challenges is where, you know, we tend to see that the next major obstacle that the workforce development divisions tend to run into. But do you avoid some of those obstacles with non-credit programming not being financial aid eligible by building those programs in collaboration with or in response to employer needs?
2: Well, that's an interesting question, too. So in Kentucky, we have pretty good funding model. So we have something called KCTCS trains or Kentucky trains. So whether it's credit or non-credit, we're able to get it funded. Now, we do ask the employers to do a match on that. So in, in essentially the state's kicking in 50% and then the employer's kicking in 50%. Oh, wow. okay. But but that does help us. Um, we are a revenue generating arm of the college. I always find mm-hmm. that kind of interesting as we start to see um, more departments popping up at community college systems across the U.S. as a, as a revenue generating arm. Um, so in my particular department, we are focused on covering all of our cost and handing back uh, revenue to the college to support other areas, which also helps us bridge that gap between main campus and Workforce Solutions, because we are helping support through revenue, through Mm -hmm. equipment purchases, through professional training development opportunities for our faculty. Um, So funding is not as much of a challenge for us. We actually just moved from a 50-50 model to a 75-25, which means the employer only has to pay 25%. So it's a pretty big carrot. It does require the company to still step up, um, but Mm -hmm. that's really what's helping us with sustainability.
1: That's really interesting. On that topic, because I'm personally fascinated by business models. It's something that I find really interesting in the post-secondary space because you know, we, <laughs> there's a lot of chemistry for professors who, who've been in higher education for a long time and suddenly are managing multi-million dollar budgets. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a fascinating progression. I mean, as a revenue generating unit, what are some best practices when it comes to the management of your division that you'd love to see rolled out across the rest of the college?
2: So uh, one of the things that we, sh- we have shared with our sister colleges is a pricing model. So you're right. I mean, it's not a natural thing for most community college or higher education people to like manage a budget mm-hmm. per se. Um, so we have put together a funding model that says, okay, we know we, we have to identify all of our cost. It's all in a spreadsheet. Um, and then we have a particular what we're going to call profit ratio. And so we want to make sure that we're pricing fair as well. Um, We don't want to charge one company a, a one rate and another separate. And we look at kind of topics and demand and things like that to price. But that's very foreign, I think, in most of higher ed. Um, so we put together basically just a simple spreadsheet that, that allows um, an individual project manager to calculate all of their expenses and then know how to price it, which we think helps because we've set the standard. It's qu- sort of mm-hmm. that standardization of how we approach um, our pricing model. Um, I think that's definitely a best practice because we want to, like I said, be fair in how we price and market to our, our community.
1: Absolutely. And as you think about, you know, I think we see workforce education, lifelong learning as being a strategic initiative for almost every higher education institution right now, but that effort tends to get, again, like kind of blocked over a siloed into a workforce solutions department like yours. What does it take from the institutional perspective to start drawing non-degree and workforce education divisions into sort of the strategic center of the institution as opposed to sort of operating on the periphery?
2: Yeah, I think what we're seeing in Kentucky is that a lot of the workforce solutions departments need restructured and they're reporting uh, who they report to. In Kentucky, about half report directly to their president and half do not. In most cases, the the half that doesn't is reporting to like a provost or a chief academic officer, which is what I do. Sure but like I said, there's about half of us that report to the president. And we think that makes a lot of sense because it stays on the radar of the person who is leading the college, Mm -hmm. you know, their strategies. Um, And so we're actually making a push right now to get all of our workforce solutions departments reporting structure directly to the president. And we know presidents have kind of changed over the last 10 years too, in terms of how much they're out meeting with employers and, and fundraising and things of that nature. But it gets us a little bit closer to where the strategy kind of, grows and and it helps us to inform our presidents of what's going on because they are kind of primarily focused on the main campus, to your point. So, um, but that allows us a little bit of time on their radar and, and emphasis on what we're doing.
1: Absolutely. On that topic, you know, something that there's this debate that has lived in the evolution community for, well, since we launched. So tw- I guess 2011, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious on your take. Now, You know, traditionally served continuing ed and workforce development, that's been the population the evolution has tended to work with. And as, you know, the years have gone on and and more and more of our readers have come from central or senior administration, a debate has popped up as to the innovative capacity when a division becomes part of the institutional core. Right now, continuing ed workforce development has traditionally lived on the periphery. They've been free to innovate, try creative things, Mm -hmm. do stuff that a college or a university traditionally wouldn't do because they're that little bit separated. As that division becomes closer and closer to the center of the institution, how do you think that affects the capacity to innovate?
2: Well, I think you're right. Those workforce departments are the innovators. Um, My president typically classifies us as the entrepreneurial arm of the college. And because we're getting closer and closer to main campus operations, we're starting to see that bleed over. It has been a process to help other individuals on the main campus kind of think about, you know, doing something in a non-traditional way. Uh, Certainly COVID helped with that. I mean, that's one of the (laughs) positive outcomes of COVID is it forced, you know, where you may have traditionally been in person, face-to-face, to, to looking at online models and hybrids and, you know, even potentially offering a class off-site where mm-hmm. that that facility has a, a better space for social distancing and whatnot. But um, it definitely is a challenge. And I think the closer we get to our main campus um, partners, they, they just... I don't know. I feel like it just it, it spreads. It's, it's almost like a yawn, right? You see something and it kind of catches you. And so they see these things, they get really excited. They are seeing like, for example, um, and you recognize on the main campus, the general population side to add a class can take years, mm-hmm. not so on the workforce solution side, you know, we're able to add something almost on demand. So long as we can find, you know, industry support and subject matter experts, um, but we can also offer credit for that. So in the KCTCS system, we call it business and industry topics, so like BIT special topics credit, but we are able to offer that. And then our industry partners, you know, can, can award that credit to their students and then potentially our faculty can end up accepting it as an elective or, or more. Huh. Um, so I think when we talk about that, we're, we're much more on the forefront with our faculty conversations and they hear how much flexibility and entrepreneurial behaviors we have. And I think it's kind of catchy. So I think that's a good thing for us.
1: That's fascinating. And there's a couple of pieces there that that are worth drawing out. I mean, one is that, that recognition, the empathy, right? Like as folks see that you're delivering on the mission of the college, but in a slightly different way, There's more buy-in to the work that's happening in the Workforce Solutions non-degree department, where otherwise it's it's foreign, it's weird, it's not, quote-unquote, rigorous. As you build those relationships, as that visibility of the work that happens in Workforce Solutions increases, yeah, I can definitely see how that would support that, that collaborative spirit and that opportunity to spread out that DNA of continuing ed across the rest of the institution. That's really interesting.
2: Um, One of the things that we've done this year, this calendar year, is we've added two new regular academic open enrollment programs in Workforce Solutions, which is pretty foreign for my department because we're primarily just offering classes directly to business and industry cohorts. We don't have open enrollment traditionally. We recognize based on the data that there was a need in our community. And so we were able to add two academic open enrollment programs that are managed through Workforce Solutions. One is a utility technician. So it's training those individuals that um, set telephone and utility poles and keep our electricity going, which is so important during COVID when we're working from home, we needed, you know, to keep our power and our Wi-Fi going. And then we added CDL, which is a commercial truck driver. Um, Both of those are accelerated programs. They're both academic credit programs, and they're both certificate programs so there's so many wins on that but it allows the workforce solution side to also say we're not just pigeonholed into non-credit business and industry we can also um, add these short-term programs and because we're revenue generating we don't have to follow the traditional tuition model which means it's a little bit easier for us to fund our programs for sustainability sake but it also just you know kind of shows main campus that there are you know we're not just pigeonholed to non-credit
1: Nicole, I think we're coming up on time here, so I'm going to wrap us up here. Is there anything you'd like to add about the work that you and your team are doing, the opportunities that you're building to create that connective tissue between Workforce Solutions and and the rest of the institution?
2: One of the things I wanted to mention was just uh, we recognize that there is a lack of skilled trades, that the main campus doesn't always have the programming for but our industry partners have a huge need for. So, you know, we just want to share the good news that workforce solutions departments, they're not better or worse. They're just another arm of the community college. Um, we want to make sure everyone knows that we're here to support our community as well by filling those pipelines through the methods that we're kind of able to be a little bit more flexible. So, but, but we also partner very closely with our general population main campus. Um, and so to me, it's a collaborative and I think Kentucky has a great model to just really, really highlight that partnership
0: this episode is brought to you by modern campus in partnership with the evolution modern campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue rising costs crushing student debt and even school closures powered by the industry's only student first modern learner engagement platform Presidents and provosts can work with modern campus to create pathways for lifelong learners while marketing and IT can deliver Amazon-like personalization and instant fulfillment. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of today's modern learner